Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. That you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for um, a special time of worship when we are reminded of your love for us, that Father's love. And Lord, we thank you for your word, and I thank you that you are a mighty God. And I pray that you will just open our hearts and that you will reveal yourself to us um, during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday was a momentous day for me. Um, I bought a new phone. And you may be wondering why is that such a momentous occasion for me? Because most people will be unaware, but until recently, I was probably the only person in the country under the age of 60 who was using a phone like this. Um, And you might be thinking, why would you give up using such a wonderful piece of technology? Well, it doesn't cope well out in the rain, and it broke, and I had to go and get a new one. So I can highly recommend the um, Vodafone store in Brixton. The guy who was working there yesterday morning didn't know what he was letting himself in for when he asked if I needed assistance, but he was patient throughout the whole process. And as he was trying to work out what would be the best deal, best package for me to get, he, he asked, um, so what are you really planning to use the internet for? How much memory do you think you're going to need? And in the end, all I could really come up with was like, I'd check the BBC News website. That's what I'd do. And so I'm kind of pleased that I can do that now constantly on the go. But you'd be forgiven for, at the moment, not wanting to check the news. It does seem like we're going through a period where there doesn't seem to be many good news stories about. You have the aircraft being shot down in Ukraine, the apparent radicalisation of primary schools, um, assisted dying legislation being debated, and a steady stream of celebrities who are being convicted for child sex offences. And you hear those stories and you just gives you an impression of the broken world we live in with complex problems and complex issues. And it can shake your faith a little bit because you come to the Bible and you read a passage talking about sacrifices and ancient practices and offerings and you think, how is this relevant to me? How is this going to help me navigate the modern world? How is it going to help me live out my Christian faith? In the passage we read, the people of God are assembled and Elijah asked this question. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Or to put it more simply, who are you going to follow? And that's a question that was definitely relevant then as the people of Israel were tempted to follow these gods, were putting their trust in them. 
And it's definitely relevant now as we seem to be offered a whole host of solutions for solving the world's problems and a whole host of ways that we're meant to be living. And prayer is is a vital and vast topic and you can't possibly do it justice in one talk or by looking at one passage and that's why we're doing a series on it. But today I just want to draw out a few things because I think this passage can really help us understand why we should pray, uh, what we should be praying for and how we should pray. So first off, why should we pray? Because as I said, there's that choice that each and every one of us have to make. Who am I going to follow? That's relevant for anyone who is a Christian, who's been um, had faith in Jesus for a long time. It's relevant for the new Christian. It's relevant for those who don't know Jesus. Who are you going to follow? Because the implication is you're going to follow someone or something. Now, I'd like to ima- you to imagine now that Elijah, this is a bit silly, but Elijah is actually here. Now, in the Bible, we read that he didn't actually die. He was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. So imagine that whirlwind has brought him back down to Brixton this morning, and he's amongst us. Um, be a bit of a terrifying experience, maybe, but he's walking among us, and he's asking that same question of each and one of you, and of me as well. How long are you going to waver between two opinions? Now, knowing Elijah very sensitive to God's voice, I think he'd adapt what he's about to say, and he'd probably remove the word Baal and replace it with one of those modern gods that we're tempted to follow. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if money is God, follow him. Or could it be success that he'd use? Or maybe people's approval? or even a comfortable life and that security that we can all crave. In the New Testament, Jesus gives his great commission, go and make disciples of all the nations. To be a disciple is to be a follower. And that's what we're all called to be, a follower of Jesus, to go where he leads. But the reality is there's numerous things competing for our devotions. There are numerous things competing for your heart. And as Christians, we've got that choice to make. Who are we going to follow? And I'm not going to ask you to shout out what that word may be for you this morning, but it is important to be aware of that, to be thinking, actually, what is trying to grab my attention and move me away from God and stop me following him? When Elijah's addressing the people, there's this interesting dynamic going on. Um, He asks that question, he sets out that choice, and then the pe- it says in the Bible that, that the people said nothing. And then he goes on to explain how the confrontation with these other prophets is going to work. And there's another great line. He said, then all the people said, what you say is good. And you kind of get the impression from reading it that the Israelites are quite happy wavering between two opinions. They're almost quite happy to sit on the fence, not wait, um, not make a decision... And they need to be convinced. And they're just there, okay, let's see what is the outcome of this. They want to see the evidence that it is God and not Baal who is active, who is at work, who is alive. And that's why Elijah prays. He prays so that God will answer 
And so that they will know that he is living, that he is the one true God. It is he who controls the weather, who controls the lightning. And what was true then is true for us now. There are people who need to be convinced. It'd be a lot easier evangelism. We'd just come out of a series if you could go out on the street and say, Jesus is Lord. People would nod their heads. You'd invite them to church and we'd fill up um, our meeting room. But it's not that simple. People, it takes more. And one of the ways we can engage in that process of making God known is prayer. When we pray, it's because it's an act of faith, because we believe there is a God who exists. When we pray, we are confident that he is interested to listen and he cares. And when we pray, we believe that he answers. And when he answers, he's displaying his power. He's displaying that he is alive and that he is the one true God. And that we have a responsibility in that, that we need to tell people about the fact that we are praying and about the answered prayers. I remember someone who used to come to this church who um, was experiencing a period of financial difficulty and with her husband there praying for um, God's provision and God just came through and through again. And she told me that she made the conscious effort to tell her relatives that they were praying and that it was God that was answering, her relatives who didn't believe. It would have been easy for her just to put it down to coincidence that money suddenly appeared, but she made that conscious decision to say to them, no, it's God who is acting for us. And I think in a small way, she was making God known to her family. And... Um, we are depleted in numbers um, this Sunday, and the main reason is because is it's New Day, and we have been praying lots for New Day. And I think, I'm not sure if Afawa can correct me, but maybe about 30 young people from the Brixton churches together going. So, oh, lack of faith from me. <laughs> Even higher. And I think sometimes with these things, you can pray up to the moment of the event, and then you stop. And actually, it's important to continue praying because what I've been thinking about this week as I've been preparing is how great it would be if those young people know as they arrive that the very reason they're there is an answer to prayer. We've been praying that they just get there, that God provides the money that makes whatever possible and that those people approach this week where there'll be loads of meetings, loads of people um, preaching the word of God, that from the very beginning they know that they are there because God has a purpose for them and because there's been a group of people who have been praying for them. And that will be making God known to them. And, but prayer, engaging in prayer, doesn't just make God known to others. It makes him known to us. Uh, I love the Bible. It's probably the primary way that I engage with God. But the truth is, it's not, it's not enough. I need prayer because prayer makes God real to me. Uh, when I pray, when I have those moments of doubt and I pray and he comes through with something, he answers me in his grace. I'm reminded that he loves me, that he cares for me and he exists and he's active in this world. So we pray because there is that choice of who are we going to follow. And actually by praying to God, asking him to act, it reminds people that he's the one they should be choosing. He's the one who's alive. He's the one who's real. Um, So, what to pray for? Uh, My school, where I work, is in the process of 
buying some new ICT equipment. Uh, in primary schools, you have these things called interactive whiteboards that you use with the kids. And just like my phone, the ones that we're currently using are a bit behind the time. So a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy come in to demonstrate something that we, we may end up buying. And if you can pitch the scene that if it was maybe a week before the end of term, so you can imagine what teachers are like at that point, and it had been the hottest day of the year, and we'd been given the impression that this talk or this presentation was going to last about 15 minutes. So you can imagine the atmosphere when the guy arrives and says that, oh, actually, it's probably take about 45 minutes to an hour. Everyone's just like this. And he was a salesperson. He gave all the spiel you can about all the online lessons you can do, link with other schools, when reality is most people think sitting there thinking, can I just write on the board and will it work? And he went on and on and on. And on the inside during that meeting, I was feeling tired. I was feeling grumpy. And I was feeling bored. And it was one of those occasions, actually, when all of the things I was feeling on the inside were reflected on the outside. I looked tired, I looked bored, and I looked grumpy. And as I looked around the room, I could tell that everyone else was feeling similar things. It was just that kind of atmosphere. And the guy carried on oblivious. Um, But it got me thinking that that's not always the case. Sometimes we can be feeling something on the inside, and it's not actually reflected in our outward demeanour. We can be projecting a very confident image, but we could be feeling real deep insecurity. And I often think of those stand-up comedians who can get up for like an hour and a half, tell jokes, captivate a massive audience. But then when you hear them speak about their personal lives, you realise they're deeply flawed and deeply insecure people. And... That's a challenge because, as Christians, we can do the same. Promote an image, pretend we're all sorted, pray the holy prayers, read all the latest Christian books for everyone's reading. But the fact is that our hearts can be distant from God and no one, not even ourselves, can be realising. And that is a real challenge for us. And we have to make every effort that we come back to God because the thankful thing is God in his grace isn't interested in outward appearance. Uh, Many years before the passage we read, when God sent another prophet, Samuel, to uh, anoint a king, God cautioned Samuel, saying, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart challenging words. We can spend a lot of time worrying about the things that man, world considers important. We can have this big long list of criteria in our head that we think we need to meet up to. But the reality is it's a waste of time, it's exhausting because ultimately God is just interested in your heart. He's just interested in your heart. So what should we be praying for? Hearts that are devoted to him. In the context of church, Even in smaller churches, it can be hard to know everything that is going on in people's lives. And you can be thinking about praying for someone and you think, oh, but I don't really know what to pray for, what's going on with them. But at the very least, we know we can be praying that they are following Jesus, that their hearts are committed to him and they're finding their security and their identity in that father's love. 
And we need to pray that hearts for those who haven't yet come to commitment come back to him, that are seeking other things, seeking that security, that love that we crave, that we all crave, that they will turn their hearts away from those things and come back to God, come back to his son who loves them more than they ever know. And finally, how should we pray? Um, Quite simply, it's with faith. At the beginning, I said we live in this very complex world with complex problems, and we have this tension as Christians that we love God, but other things are trying to grab our attention, are trying to draw us back to, um, away from him. And we can see that tendency in our hearts. We drift. We just naturally drift to other things. And we just need to realise that and, in a sense, accept that, as we've been praying this morning, we, it doesn't depend on us. It depends on someone else. When Elijah prays that prayer of that God is turning hearts back towards him, I don't think it's a hopeless one. It is one of faith. It's one of someone who understands that God um, can act, that understands he is doing that very thing. He is turning people's hearts back to him because he cares, because he loves them. Sometimes we can get overly interested in the small details of life. Uh, At school, we have someone who's a learning mentor, and this is possibly the most, and at my place of work, she's probably the most compassionate, most caring kind of person you can come across. She has to deal with children who are going through some difficulties and works with them emotionally. But even she, this incredibly compassionate person, will come up, will say to a child, don't sweat the small stuff. We can become preoccupied with minute details that aren't um, that are there to distract us, that are there to cause us to stumble, to occupy too much thought space. And when we concentrate too much on the details, we forget that God has this big, massive plan, and it is incredible. Uh, he's in the business of seeking out those who are lost, those who are distant from him, and drawing them back. Elijah prayed, God answered, and he sent his fire. And then the people fell on the ground, exclaimed, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But there was also a note of caution here. For after such a display of power, imagining, seeing that happen, that the people did begin to drift again. They did go to drift after other gods again. And that's really the story of the kind of the Israelite nation before Jesus come. Drift, come back, drift, come back. It was just this vicious cycle. And I think in God's grace, he knew that actually for real heart change to take place, it was going to require something else. In Colossians, Paul writes, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. A holy life, a life fully devoted to God, fully devoted to Jesus, can only be achieved through what Jesus did on the cross. It is a 
the cross that we're truly brought back to God. Um, as I've said, what we've read today about Elijah was an impressive display of God's might and his power. God answered Elijah, his servant, that day and sent fire on the sacrifice. However, we mustn't forget the other occasion when he sent another servant, his son, to die on a cross and rise again three days later. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus where God's power is ultimately displayed and, importantly, his grace. It's there that we can experience reconciliation and come back to him. And because of that, and even though Elijah was a great servant of God, we can pray with more faith than he did because we stand in light of the cross knowing what Jesus has done for us. I think the band are then going to come up in a moment. I said before there was that silly illustration when I asked you to imagine that Elijah was amongst us and he was asking you that question, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? But the truth is, through his spirit, Jesus is present with us. And that question still remains for each and every one of us. Who are you going to follow? If, the, if he is God, follow him. And for some of us, it might be this Sunday morning is an opportunity to come into his presence and deal with that question. For some of you, it might be a first time where you're going to answer, yes, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. For probably the majority of us, it may be coming back to him again and going, Lord, help me with my heart. Make sure it's turned back to you. I'm going to follow you. Okay, I'm just going to pray quickly. Lord Jesus, you are good and you love us that The depth of your love for us is um, impossible for us to comprehend. And, Lord, I ask that this morning we are reminded that you want the best for us, Um, that you want us to have life and to have it to the full. And actually, having life to the full is following you. So, Lord, I ask that we um, this morning come before you and deal with the things we need to deal with so we can pursue you with abandon um, and for your glory, Lord, so the world will know that there is this gracious saviour who desires a relationship with them. In Jesus' name, amen. to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.